Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. You know, uh, what more can the progressive conservatives do to shoot themselves in the foot, no pun intended, uh, when they concern themselves with stuff on the fringe? Like, uh, you know, can we have some opposition, please, instead of wackos like this? Uh, Tory MP Bob Zimmer urging feds to reclassify uh, the rifle used in the Orlando shootings. The semi-automatic rifle used in the Orlando shootings should be easier to obtain in Canada and allowed for hunting, uh, a Conservative MP said last month. A British Columbia MP Bob Zimmer uh, tabled a position in May, a petition in May, rather, calling on the government to reclassify the R-15, also known as the AR-15, as a non-restricted weapon. Uh, the petition was tabled on behalf of Mark Bennett, a firearms advocate from Newfoundland, and Labrador. Uh, safety Minister, uh, our Safety Minister uh, Goodale said that he has absolutely no plans. Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale's office told uh, uh, the press that they absolutely have no plans to change the classification of the AR-15. To talk more about this, uh, Rob Galacta is with us, President of the Canadian Coalition of Firearms, and he is with us now. Good afternoon, Rod. How are you today? Good, Scott. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking the time to join us. So, first of all, uh, Rod, tell us what the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights is all about. Well, we're uh, kind of a different type of firearm advocacy organization. We're focused on reaching out to the non-gun-owning Canadians out there that may or may not understand this issue properly. And that's uh, that's our chief mandate, uh, rather than you know, working politically or any of the other uh, strategies that other organizations have done. So we're, we're here to complement the other organizations. So what is the bis- biggest misconception the public has on this issue? On this issue in particular, especially as it applies to Bob Zimmer's um, petition, is a misconception about the rifle itself. You know, in Canada, there's about 90,000 AR-15s owned by licensed individuals. And... Um, I tried to find, actually earlier this morning, I tried to find one single shooting in Canadian history involving the AR-15. I was unable to find one. Not saying that there isn't one out there, but I haven't found one. And the AR-15, by, as a firearm, is, is, not, <laughs> is not dissimilar in any way to um, hundreds of other non-restricted firearms. So it's, I think it's a matter of, of public education rather than um, you know, and a terribly emotional issue as we just had in Orlando. Could this be the reason that there hasn't been any uh, violence regarding the AR-15 is because there's only 90 of them and they're restricted? 90,000, Scott. Oh, sorry, 90,000, my misconception. Uh, so is it because they're they're so restricted that there are, that there are not these sorts of uh, activities? Like if we could buy it at a Walmart, would it be easier? Would Would, would you be surprised if we saw more? Well, I, I would be surprised, Scott, because there's there are dozens, like literally dozens, of other rifles in Canada that are non-restricted today uh, that shoot exactly the same ammunition, have the same muzzle energy, same muzzle velocity, use the same magazines as the AR-15, like equivalent firearms. And we don't see a problem with those firearms either. So, so the AR-15 should be legalized because there's others similar to it that are already out there? Well, it is legal. I think the, the point of the petition was make it non-restricted so people can take all of their rifles out to the forest to shoot cans or whatever with them or to hunt. So, um, the, so this, this is, this is, out. so what is the restriction if you own an AR-15? What, where can you, can't you, what, so what does it take to get one? What does it take to, to be licensed? Well, an AR-15 is a restricted firearm, very similar to handguns in Canada, meaning that you have to have a special license, which is the restricted PAL. 
um, those firearms are all registered, and you can only shoot them in an approved shooting range. You can't take them out to the forest like you can with, like as I said, dozens of other rifles that are exactly the same as the AR as far as firepower or lethality or however you want to measure them. So it's you just can't shoot them out in the forest, and that's really what people are after. They say, well, if I can take these all these other guns to the to the forest, and and they're even larger and more powerful than the AR, how come I can't take the AR? So we're just looking for some rationale here. So why do you think the AR is, is, has the restrictions on it, the others don't? Well, the AR-15 is restricted by name only. No other, no mechanical reason, no, as I said, lethality. No, so again, why do you no think, and why do you think that is? Well, back when the first firearm classifications were created um, in the early 90s, uh, after the Firearms Act came into being, it was just named in regulation based on its appearance. Because it looks like an assault rifle. Well, this is this is the this is the hard truth, Scott. That uh, that exists out in the out in the uh, firearms community. Yeah. What's the hard truth? The hard truth is the majority of these firearms are classified, restricted, or in some uh, in some cases prohibited based on their appearance. And of course, that's really no responsible way to to make law. Hmm. Um, some may disagree with that. <laughs> Uh, what, uh, so how, how do I get one? What do I, if I wanted to, if I decided I wanted to take up this hobby and I wanted an AR-15, what do I have to do to get one? Uh, well, I'll rattle this off, uh, as quickly as I can. Basically, you'd have to, uh, take a mandatory safety course. Uh, to get a restricted firearm, you'd first have to get the license for non-restricted. So it's a two-day safety course. You have to pass it with 80% or more. <laughs> then it takes about three to four months to get your PAL. You have, uh, you have to provide personal references that have known you for a certain length of time. Your spouse has to sign off on it. Uh, they do a, a deep background check, and then you get your license. Then you must purchase one of these firearms. It's registered. You need paperwork to transport it. You need to store it safely, or you're facing federal prison time. And uh, at that point, now you're, you're actually able to get your gun. Then you have to become a member of a gun club and go to and from the gun club to pull the trigger a few times and then and take your gun home. So it's very restrictive. And, you know, I think the point of this, Scott, that's really important for people to understand is, regardless, even if you look at me as a gun owner myself, and I have an AR-15, if I wanted to truly do something bad with it, certainly I'm not going to go, well, the only place I can do something bad with it is at, is at the range. And we haven't seen Canadians particularly doing that in any, in any fashion. But don't you think that the reason that is is because it is so difficult to obtain one? Not at all. Um, there are twenty. How, how can you, how can how can you say that when you know this person? Like you can go and buy a, a, a you know a gun in a Walmart store down in the southern United States. Uh, this person who was involved in the Orlando shooting uh, purchased guns literally a couple of days before uh, you know the the massacre. So how can you say restricting it doesn't prevent these sorts of things from happening? Well, there's, I think there's you know, you can't, point, you can't point to any situations where there's been issues with the gun in Canada, but that's because there's extreme restrictions on the weaponry. There isn't in the United States. We see what happens. So why would we want to loosen restrictions here? Well, as I was going to say, there's, there's two things. I think a lot of people that are saying increase restrictions, they're saying, well, if we made it harder for these bad people to get the guns, then it would have made some difference. But you're talking about very determined individuals. Do you think that that, that fellow down in, in Orlando, if it took him an extra two weeks to secure a firearm, remember he had a license. If it took him an extra two weeks, would he have not done what he did? It's really a question about violence, Scott. 
I mean, the gun, yeah, definitely helps. I'm, I'm not denying that whatsoever. But it's a, it's a question of violent behavior. You know, we don't, we don't say, we don't talk about fist violence, yet that's how fists and, and, and blunt instruments is how people are killed the majority of times in homicide in Canada. We just call that violence. So we really need to focus on the, on the source well, of the that's violence. Because, yeah, 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 but that's because if I go up to somebody with my fist, there's only a certain amount of damage I can possibly do. If I walk into a crowded room with an AR-15, I can take out way more people in a way shorter period of time than I can with my fists or a knife, for that matter. Well, I agree with you, Scott. And again, I guess my, my point is to you, uh, Rod, is that how can you say that if we put less restrictions on these weapons that we won't see an increase in violent crime when we have a lot of restrictions on them here you're admitting there isn't a lot of crime with these weapons because of these restrictions yet you want to open it up i mean i'm not saying you want to take it to the states where you can go in into a walmart and buy one of these things but we obviously see like with the tragedy that happens with guns in 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 america availability is an issue well, I did not agree with you that our restrictions had any effect on public safety. And, in fact, we have a peer-reviewed study, the only one of its kind, Scott. You should, you should check it out. It's really interesting. A peer-reviewed study that showed that none of the legislation that we've enacted in gun control since the 70s had any effect on homicide with firearm. And, I mean, these are, these are I mean, I don't, I don't make this stuff up. These are facts. Um, the, I think the real test is if I've got a variety of other firearms in my in my collection that I use on a regular basis outside of a range, and I still haven't done anything wrong with them, Scott. It doesn't matter if I can only take my AR to the range uh, or certain other guns to the out to the forest. It, there's no there's no, no distinction. A gun is a gun. I, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. How do you explain what happens in the states and what happens here? What's the difference? Well, we we I I think if you look at all not not just the United States, but you look at all these different countries and all the different types of gun laws, um, I think uh, culture and and uh, socioeconomic conditions. I think there's a lot of other factors that have more well far more to do with uh, with gun violence. Isn't that passing the buck though, Rod? I mean, come on. I mean, the more something is available, the more chances are people are going to use it. And I mean, again, like, I, I don't have anything against you and your buddies going up to the gun club and collecting weapons. I, I have no problem with that at all. But I think that you should have to jump through hoops to get them. And the reason is, is because not you, but if somehow they do fall in the wrong hands, they can take out a tremendous amount of people, more than a knife or your fists. So, again, it's, it's not so much for you guys and girls. It's for the rest of them. And, and, you know, I don't know how you can argue against restricting uh, weapons when we see in a country where it's the Wild West and there's very few restrictions what happens on pretty much a monthly, weekly, daily basis down there compared to here where we don't see as much because of the heavy restrictions that we have. So well, if we loosen up our restrictions, aren't we sort of moving closer to what the United States has? No, I don't think so, Scott. And in fact, you, I think you just said something interesting. You said, you guys, me and my buddies. Well, you're, you're speaking about a, a specific group of people. These are licensed gun owners. So you're saying, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're acknowledging that if I'm a licensed individual, and in Canada, when you have a firearms license, you get a criminal record check every day. We're the only group in the country that gets a criminal record check every day for right. the rest of our lives, as long as we hold that license. 
What's you know why is it? Well, no, the rest of us get a criminal check. The rest of us get a criminal check if we go to apply for our kids' coach on our kids' teams or whatever. There's lots of things we get criminal background checks for. Once, Scott, but not every day. Continually, electronically, like PAL holders, the police don't get a criminal record check every day, and certainly convicted pedophiles don't get a record check every day either. So we're very highly scrutinized. Is what I'm telling you. We're the safest Canadians out there, and we're so why would we want? Day. Why would we want to change that, Rod? Why would we want well, to loosen this? I think you're I think you're confusing the issue with de-restricting the AR, making it a non-restricted firearm like a gun that runs exactly the same as any other gun in my collection with taking licensing away. I think that's a confusion. We're licensed here in in Canada. Nobody's asking to take licensing away. Well, some people are, but not the CCFR. I'm not asking that. I'm saying if you trust me with this AR to go to the range, I'm sure you can trust me to go to the forest. I don't think it's about trusting you. I think it's about trusting the other person. I don't think that's ever been the question, Rod. It's not ever been about the people who do it responsibly. It's about them falling into the hands of people who are not. Well, and, and you know, unfortunately, so well, I think the the first way you 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 certainly slow it down is by putting restrictions on how you get these. I mean, we're hearing about all of the lax restrictions and regulations in the United States and how we got to where we did with this guy who was even on a FBI watch list and still is allowed to buy. Uh, a, a, a weapon, uh, you know, and again, I'm not suggesting that you guys are going that far uh, by any means. I'm, I, you know, I'm sure you're not, your, your ambition is not to turn it into the Wild West. But, you know, there's an example of regulation, an example of non-regulation. Why would you want to go towards non-regulation? Well, so... so and here's, let me ask you another question, Rod. Let me ask you another question. Okay, so we allow the AR-15 because it's exactly the same as everything else or whatever. So rather than banning or putting the same restrictions on everything else that's similar to the AR-15, where do we draw the line? What about the model above the AR-15? What about, where do you draw the line? Well, I'm not. I'm not sure. I understand what you mean by draw the line. Well, where at what point do you say okay, you can get an AR-15, you cannot get whatever the next biggest weapon is, whatever the next latest and greatest and biggest and even more powerful than the A-15. Like you know, why don't you just walk around with a rocket launcher? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, what's what stops you from getting something more powerful than an AR-15, something bigger, something more military style? Where do you draw the line? You, you might be interested to know, Scott, that today, right now, I can't take my AR-15 to the forest. We've established that because it's just too dangerous, or even a handgun to the forest. Apparently, that's too dangerous. But yet, I can walk into a store today and get a non-restricted 50-caliber semi-auto in a bullpup configuration, which makes it small, non-restricted. And how many shootings do we have in Canada involving 50 calibers? We've never had one in Canadian history. So I think a lot of this has to do with you know, oh, we see a shooting, we get emotionally attached to it, even though 99.9999% of people that possess firearms, whether they have a license or not, ever even do anything illegal in their entire lives. But now we're, so we're, we're questioning this whole thing um, when, in fact, I can have superior fire, firepower out in the bush and nobody gets hurt. So I'm, I'm, I realize that in these horrible situations when people get shot, absolutely. But we are throwing all of our reasoning ability out the window and saying, well, just for that point zero 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 one percent we want to take everybody's guns or, in, or increase restrictions on everybody's guns. It's such a huge problem. 
And it's just, it's not a problem of that magnitude, even though it's horrible when it happens. I agree. Nobody's denying that. Does that make sense? Yeah, but 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 again, I, I don't know how you can look at what's happening in the South and 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 the amount of of gun activity, like how many mass shootings, meaning of four people or more, are there a day? And it has to do with the availability and lack of restriction on guns. So well, I don't, I don't, I, I see. I don't think we're agreeing on that, Scott. Because if you look at, you know, Chicago. They have the tightest gun control anywhere in the United States. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're in one of the 50 states and it has great gun control. You can go down to the south and buy whatever the hell you want and easily take it across the state line. I mean, I'm just sorry. You know, how can you look at the American experience and say that's the way to go? Per capita, they kill more people than anyone in the world, more than suicide bombers, more than terrorists. How can you deny the fact that their gun culture has become what it's become? And, you know, again, all you hear is politicians every day in the United States. And I know you can't compare apples to oranges saying we got to put more restrictions on these. Is that a bad thing? So, uh, you know, again, I'm sure you're not saying let's go to the United States and adopt what they have, because uh, certainly we have a lot more severe regulations than what they do. But why would you want to move closer to them? And again, where do you, you know, and, and, and I'm sure if you told the majority of people about the AR-15 and that it's no different than 20 other ones, you just get them all upset and they'd want to ban those ones too. Um, so again, how can you look at what's happening in the United States and want to increase deregulation of the gun industry in Canada? Well, the, the, you know, it's, it's funny you use the term gun culture. There's a, there's a, obviously a violence culture. There's obviously a gang problem. There's obviously terrorism. I mean, you need to, you know, like somebody said to me, if they didn't have, if they didn't have the rifle, they'd go build a bomb. Well, you can't go buy a bomb at a Walmart store. You can't go, I mean, you just, you, you, can you go on the internet and figure out how to do it? Sure, the guys did it with the pressure cookers at the Boston uh, Marathon. But, you know, should we lay it right out so it's just so easy you can walk into a Walmart to do it? Rather than having to go onto an ISIS website and figure out how to, you know, how to build a bomb out of a pressure cooker? Like, you know, I don't, I don't understand why we have to make it easier. I, I think I agree, and I think a lot of people don't understand this issue as well. And, you know, I just put a post on a ridiculous story about the same subject on, on uh, in a, you know, on the Georgia Strait, uh, which is a newspaper here in Vancouver, and the amount of irrational people calling for bans and, and talking about a lot of the same stuff without having any idea about the topic itself. And I put a post on there, and I said, listen, if you guys want to talk intelligently about this topic, you can't just grab a couple of headlines and then spout on about how your moral indignation for people getting shot. You need to do about 100 hours of reading to understand the numbers and understand the effects of this regulation or lack thereof. So the reason there's mass gun there's place. reason that there's mass gun violence in the United States is cuz we're just not reading up enough on it. Well, that's an interesting uh, conclusion. No, there's gun violence in the United States for a, for a variety of different reasons and it doesn't have everything to do with availability, right? that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. But, you know, I I think we've got to where we've got because they've always been available. You've always been able to get them. And after 100, 200 years of this, here's what we have. 
You know, again, you know, how can anyone look at the situation in America per capita and not realize they got a severe problem and you can't blame it all on uh, a gang or this or that or whatever or, you know, or or socioeconomic conditions. I mean, because no other country has it. No other country has the problem that America has. Mm -hmm. And you can't blame it all on availability either. And the issue is. When you make it harder, you make it harder for normal people to get guns. Now, in Canada, we've, we've done that. We are a completely different culture. And in this situation, it seems to have worked okay based on just if you just look at it and, and, and don't look into it any further. But as I said, we actually have evidence in Canada that our laws haven't done anything. Now, if they make us feel better, and, and I, like, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with licensing because the, the public has concerns and licensing addresses our concerns. Um, unfortunately, down south, the guy that did all this stuff had a license. So that's got to make you think. So I think we need to think a little bit deeper for the... He had a license, but but wait a sec, Rob. That's, you know, that's deceiving. He had a license, but the hoops he had to jump through to get a license were a hell of a lot easier than what a Canadian has to jump through to get that license. So how can you say that? So, okay, well, let's, let's take that for a second. Let's, let's, let's run with that. So if he would have had to take a two-day safety course, uh, well, obviously the FBI not only did a background check on him, they were investigating him, but somehow he couldn't have passed the Canadian regulatory system. Of course he could have. He was determined, and he, and he was able to act normal for the majority of the time. This, this well, anyway. So, are you, so are, you, are, you, are you content to say that this will never happen in Canada because we don't have a gun culture? Well, not at all. I would never say that. I mean, we can have crazy people do crazy things all the time, but you know, in Canada, you know, like the guy that was the te- the guy that shot the guy at the war memorial had like a, some old ancient firearm. I mean, you know, that says something right there. He didn't have an AR-15 to do it with. No, apparently, it was because his instability yeah. because his instability probably would not have allowed him to go through the proper channels to get one. Did he have a firearms license, Scott? Do you know? I don't know. I don't think he did. I, I, I tried to find out, but I couldn't find out anything. I don't think he did. He never would have passed our background checks. But, well, exactly. So why would you not, why would you want to to release those restrictions in any way? I mean, it's so, safe so, here. But somehow, because, he got, but somehow he got a gun anyway, though, didn't he? Yeah, but again, he got a cap gun compared to an a, uh, AR-15. Now, he certainly did enough damage with that. But imagine if he had an AR-15. We'd be talking a whole different story here. Possibly, yeah. I mean, you know, I think if you, if you continue to get into, you know, speculation, we can also speculate, Scott, if we wanted to be honest with each other, we can also speculate what if, what if two people nearby had concealed carry permits and they were able to put that guy down before he shot anybody else other than at the memorial. Well, you could right? say that about Orlando. Why, why didn't any of those people in the state of Florida where you can all carry guns pull out their guns and start firing back? Because that nightclub was a gun-free zone, Scott, just like every other place where you have multiple victim public shootings in, in, in the United States. All gun-free zones. In the, United, in the United <laughs> States, but not in Canada, because you can't get one because they're restricted. Well, it, interesting thing, that's, that's actually, if, we, if you want to come back to Canada, that's the difference of what happened at Ecole de Polytechnique and what happened at Dawson College. Right? Ecole de Polytechnique, there was nobody that had a gun there, and, and Lapine stayed in there for almost an hour. 
at Dawson College. There were three visiting Montreal City policemen. One of them, Danny Cote, shot Kimbeer Gill in the arm. He knew it was over and killed himself. No, only one person was killed, 19 shot. So, you know, a gun, that's the only thing that can stop somebody with a gun. And, and that's, 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 a, that's a physical fact. It's not, a, it's not an opinion, right? Rod, thanks very much for the time. Much appreciated. It's my pleasure, Scott.